0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C, a recovered compulsive overeater living in Canby, Oregon. Today is Sunday, March 13th, 2022, and the share ID numbers for Friday, March 11th, 2022, are the following: the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study group share ID number is 186. 6, 9, 18, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Group meeting share ID number is 18670 18670. This morning, A Vision for You presents the story of how one OA became recovered. Today's topic is rather provocative, in case in its title is the word recovered. Very edgy. Makes me sit on on the very tip of my seat because it's so intriguing. Well, if any be doubtful of this claim, pay careful attention to the details of the pathway through the big book that was taken because recovered is promised to everyone. We come into these rooms because of the misery, the distress, and the destruction from our disease of compulsive overeating. We are often bitter and angry, praying, praying to be saved. We find the hope, the promise from the warm welcome of the fellowship and the promise of being recovered from the Big Book's journey. So we stay to journey through the steps to find a difference in our outlook and our attitude, a real, true personality change that sets us free from food addiction. The cover page of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous is where the promise of becoming a recovered, compulsive overeater, in our case, begins. Straight out, the author boldly penned, not fooling around, unapologetically and unwaveringly, he writes the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Very confident and in print for millions to read every day since 1939 with its first publication. Because there was evidence Thousands upon millions continue to be recovered today. True bona fide evidence of people living free from their addiction. The directions to become recovered are right here in this book. We study the directions for recovering in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous to Become Recovered. We are guided by one that has gone before us. Does being recovered mean that we are cured? No, we're not cured we find that we have a daily reprieve, a daily remission that is contingent. And the story of just how this is to be will be told by one OAR here today so that you too can find the freedom from the bondage of food addiction, that you too can receive the miracle through the steps to be recovered. It is a tremendous opportunity to be here today to listen to how just one of of the hundreds of fellows in Overeaters Anonymous have walked this path to be recovered following step by step to the life of freedom, from the compulsion to eat, to the life filled with hope and possibility, a true blueprint for living day by day for treating this affliction. It is always a privilege and an honor to to witness such a transformation from living dead to abundantly living. If ever you have cried out in utter hopeless despair for the riddle's answer to this dreadful disease, go no further today, at least than here. So with no further ado, let's have our guest speaker from her own experience share with us what the big book strongly writes with regards to being recovered. Her journey has taken her from what it was like to what it is like now as a recovered woman. Please help me to the line this morning by welcoming from New York City this morning, Annie V. Good morning, Annie. Hi, good morning, Melanie. Can you hear me all right?
1: loud and clear yes awesome thank you so so much for your service um good morning everyone um and everyone listening on the podcast my name is annie V. i'm a gratefully recovered um compulsive overeater just for today not cured i am so grateful to do a uh, service on this line um i consider everything for you my home meeting, even though I haven't um, necessarily been able to make it live during the week since I have had a different work schedule. Um, I've been in OA since around 2000, that's almost 22 years ago, but I didn't get recovered until 2014, and I think there are a few reasons for that. Um, I wouldn't change it for the world despite all the suffering because it, you know, it took me my life journey to go through that to get to where I am today. And the first time I heard recovered, I, you know, I wasn't familiar with the language in the OA big book. I started off with different types of literature in my journey. I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, wait, is this, you know, this kind of, you know, big shotism, And, you know, I want to start off with the definition of recovered that I give my sponsors that I have heard from other recovered members here. And it's in four different parts. So, you know, I, I take it to not mean I'm better than, I'm just another person in the in the name of anonymity, right? Trying, a sick person trying to get well in this fellowship. And the first part of being recovered means I am not triggering the allergy of the body or the phenomenon of craving that when I eat or engage in my alcoholic foods or behaviors, it says, you know, my body says, I cannot stop so when i start i can't stop so that is not being triggered i am entirely abstinent number two i don't want to pick up right the obsession of the mind has been arrested on a daily basis right i'm not thinking about it i have a reprieve from a mind that even when i am completely sober and entirely abstinent i am not thinking of picking up again with these insane decisions right good reasons ridiculous reasons, all of the above. The third point is that I have, you know, had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, meaning all 12 steps, you know, we have 12 steps. I'm not working a one, two, three, one, two, three dance that I did for many, many years. And, you know, just as a briefing, A spiritual awakening, a.k.a. spiritual experience, a.k.a. psychic change, um, can be found. The definition is in the second appendix in the back of the book on page 567. And it says, you know, the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And if you break down what personality means, it entails how I think, how I feel, how I behavior act, and how I believe. And before I became recovered, just to give you an example, you know, it would be all about me and my ego and what food was at what event, how could I get my fix, what am I going to get out of it? And it was a miserable way of living and a fast way to, to spiritual death and a slow, painful physical death. Um, when I'm recovered, it's now how can I be of service? right? It's not about me, right? I know I'm taken care of by my higher power. That's a drastically different way of living. And so then the fourth part of being recovered to me and what I share with my sponsors is that I maintain the spiritual awakening by living every day in steps 10, 11, and 12, which is really all 12 steps, right? Um, as, as a design for living on a daily one day at a time basis. So just to review, I'm entirely obstinate. I'm not thinking nor do I want to pick up. That is the freedom. Wow. I had a spiritual awakening and I I continue to grow the spiritual awakening and maintain it by living in steps 10, 11, and 12. And that's simply what being recovered means. It doesn't mean I'm better. It doesn't mean that I don't come back. Of course, I have to come back um, one day at a time, work my program, work the tools to work the steps, right? I don't work a tools program. i just going to meetings. Meeting makers make meetings. Um, but I am so grateful for this meeting because it led me to my sponsor and led me to actually complete all 12 steps absently. and I've been absent since July of 2014, and this has been just, I, nothing less than a wholesale miracle has happened. Okay. Back then, so I'll just, let me just um, jump into it and just give you some comparisons. Um, you know, in this program, I could never maintain any sort of weight loss or weight gain. I've had a very, very, very rich history of um, bulimia, uh, binge eating disorder, and compulsive eating. I've been at all different weights, and I also want to say right now that to be the compulsive overeater of the alcoholic type, my problem is not weight. It is absolutely not weight. Weight was a symptom. Right. And actually, you know, like the book says, alcohol is a symptom. Um, My weight is none of my business today. You know, I co-create my weight with God and I follow my higher power. But I was obsessed with weight. How could I not be this whole society with fat, these forces are real billion dollar diet, um, you know, and fitness industry. These are real forces in the real world. And I have um, lost and gained hundreds and hundreds of pounds, um, probably at my worst um, on the, you know, one spectrum where I was restricting. Um, I was underweight to the point where I lost my period. Um, and for a much longer period of time, um, i a 100 pounds heavier than I am now. I had the full-blown metabolic, you know, syndrome, uh, full type 2 diabetes, hyperlipidemia, right, um, hypertension. You name it. Um, I remember vowing never to be like my father. So, my father died from this disease, unfortunately. Um, God bless him. I miss him to this day. This is real. This disease is fatal. And when I am in that reality, right, not a fear based reality, but understanding and accepting that, I can work steps one, right? Like my hair is on fire. So, yes. the beauty of today is that all of those ailments, I'm like, how many pills? Eight, nine, 10, and had mood disorders related to that. Um, those have all been completely reversed. Again, wholesale miracle. Um, besides that, you know, the unmanageability, oh my goodness, I, I, I couldn't work. I couldn't go to school. Today, I am in a full-time position. Right? I work as a frontline hospital worker. I've been working throughout the pandemic. Um, funding a doctoral program. I mean, there's a lot of service going on. I could not have done that or sustained that without being recovered. And it's a very, very challenging but extremely fulfilling job, right? Through this program, I connected with what my purpose was in life because I had that power. My problem, right, in step one, and then I'd like to bring you through how I was brought through the steps and how I now bring my sponsors through steps right is lack of power. It just don't have the power with regard to the twofold nature of this illness, right? The allergy of the body that leads to that phenomenon of craving of when I start I can't stop and not anything, but specifically when I put my alcoholic foods and engage in my alcoholic behaviors cannot stop. It's the same thing as if I had, you know, an allergy to peanuts. It just is and right now Science in our world, there's no cure for that except for entire abstinence. And that's okay because I mean, my life is pretty rich right now, right? With with the solution that I have that I found in this book, right? And then the like the mental twist, the obsession of the mind, the insane thoughts that lead me to take the insane decision to put poison in my body, right? To do things that will kill me, just like the jaywalker, right? and more about alcoholism. (sighs) I'm just, you know, it's kind of amazing. So let me bring you back to when I first came into OA, I was a teenager. I was born and raised in the Bronx, went to one of my local meetings um, in the basement of the church, and I was just like, something's going on. And just to also give you, you know, some context, my mother is a dietician, okay? (laughs) But she also, through her, you know, family culture and her own biases, would always Comment about my food and body. And I've a very, you know, there, there's definitely um, lots of childhood traumas. There's a lot of uh, environmental reasons for how my disease progressed and why. But if you're a beginner listening, I really implore you let go of the reason why of answering it. My experience is that my higher power, as we grow, answers that for me or at least gives me hindsight, right? Um, just to kind of sh- share with me how far I've come, right, and how special I am to my higher power. But why is taking my will back in my mind? It, it means if I can figure it out, then, you know, I'll fix the problem. Fix it is not a slogan. <laughs> you know, the paradox is surrender. That's what our program is about. And I have to give up the debating society because if I could fix it, I wouldn't need to be here. I wouldn't need to be coming back for 22-plus years. As a teenager, the first five years of program, you know, I had no idea that this was a practical, you know spiritual program. I thought it was a self-help group where people went and just complained about how fat they were. And I loved it, of course, because they would give you hugs, and, and it was seemingly a safe space to share about, you know what a lot of people weren't talking about at the time, like on the street. And so, yeah, you know, I could hang out with people (laughs) who size my age, and they understood me, but they only understood the problem, right? And um, there's a solution, right? That chapter tells me what keeps us united, that first tradition, is the common solution, right? So for five years, I had no idea. I would just go, and try again, and it would be like a diet and calories club, but there would be things said like, oh, I'm abstinent from sugar today. What, you know, what I realize now is that that wasn't entirely ab- entire abstinent for me because that's not one the only food ingredient, right, that I'm allergic to. And, again, for beginners, right, allergy in the 1930s when the, the first 164 pages of the book was re- um, written simply means abnormal reaction. It is certainly abnormal what I've done with food. Literally eating two to three loaves of bread in one sitting, purging it back up, right, again and again and again, fainting while exercising, right, eating food from the trash just to get my fix that effect. I didn't like eating food from the trash, right, the insane things and the havoc that it, you know, wreaked on my family, definitely abnormal. This first five years, I also didn't use the tool of the telephone. Now, again, I just want to stress, tools are amazing, and they're great, and we need to use them, but they're still tools. If I'm not working with steps, I'm not working with steps. I'm not going to get recovered. I'm not going to maintain that recovered state that I still defined in those four points in the beginning of this talk. Um, I had the crazy thoughts, like, I'm going to burden people, right? Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm going to waste their time or, you know, I didn't want to share about it and I I didn't have yet the compassion for an illness that step one also requires. Right. So I do not water down the program because that's not what worked for me. And so some people may think I'm strict as a sponsor, but at the same time, you know, it's not about blame. Right. This is not about blame. I, you know, I work with people at the end of life all the time, hospital. I work with cancer. I work with very serious illnesses. I've worked with COVID, all of that. Um, sickness requires compassion. And also an understanding of the context that we're living in. You know, fat shaming, body shaming, no matter what size you're at, that is a real thing. And what program has taught me is to go deeper, right? You know, my body was my playground for self-abuse. Because right? I didn't have a better solution. Like the food served to me, like it was um, that oblivion, right? In the later progression of my disease, that I need, how I dealt with emotions, happy, sad, angry, met, all of it, right? And it was very limited. It was causing me significant, severe physical illness, right? It was causing me to be isolated in my relationships. It was causing me disability. It was hard for me to make a living, um, go to school. It was holding me back from you know, my passion in the world. So I'll say there was a time, um, I had, it was like the first time I was on my own. I was in college and I was, uh, paying my own rent. I had this internship at the University of Maryland. Um, and I just remember, you know, my my mom as the dietitian and also like had this, um, Identity as like the caregiver and the 80s to 90s super mom had to make all the food, uh, working mom, she never taught me how to cook and would like not allow me to be in the kitchen. So I went through all those typical growing pains of like, I don't even know how to open a can of food, right? Um, all of that. But I also went crazy with my exercise me bleeding, bleeding at that time. It was one of the first times I actually fainted while I was compulsively exercising, which always triggered a binge later at night. Um, and I just remember, you know, going to doctors and having dental issues. And, I, I was, you know, for me, it was like, oh, my gosh, if I don't stop this, I'm probably going to get esophageal cancer. That was, you know, the beating I had to take that led me to, you know, some next steps. Um I eventually got a sponsor in 2005 in my local meeting when I was living up in Westchester County in New York. Um, back then it was like the Wednesday night meeting and it was in New Rochelle. I think now that meeting is in White Plains, although it's been years. year, you know, it's, it's probably on zoom since the pandemic. Um, and that was amazing. I had a quote unquote family of choice for the first time. I still to this day am connected to those people. However, I did proceed to leave OA for the next three years, and within the first six months, I gained 100 pounds in program, okay? And this is about principles, and the first 164 pages of the AA Big Book tells me it's clear directions of how to get recovered and stay recovered, right? Those are principles, not personalities, like my self-knowledge, right, Um, and people, are not enough I need a power greater than myself because that's my problem is lack of power step two right gives me hints at what the solution is it is power step three I'm making a decision to find and seek that power and I will find it for the first time and make you know connections through four through nine and the whole beginning process and maintain it in 10 11 and 12 if I was to you know summarize the program really quickly I also want to mention, um, you know, I am, you know, first generation, you know, Filipino American, so I'm a person of color. And there was always something going on about my body about rejecting it. This is huge, right? I mean, I could cry thinking about this. Like, this may be also like a cultural thing or maybe a family thing. Like, my family would put clothespins on my nose when I was a kid is as a joke, but really what that translated was my face isn't white enough, right? So, so there's like some sort of colonialism, like you're you're not enough the way you are. So there's this huge strife of, you know, what I'll call the model minority myth, right? Like work hard, the American dream, you got to make it because you're not good enough, right? It, it all comes from fear-based, you know, we've got to survive, got to make it in America. And I took that on, I internalized that. Um, In high school, I went to a specialized high school, very competitive New York City high school, where we expected to apply, and it was extremely hard to get into, like, Ivy League schools because we were um, competing against each other, and, um, you know, it it was just really, really insane taking nine AP courses. I still have that element of this, what the Bible calls you know, um, shortcoming or character defects of, of overworking, workaholism, and perfectionism. Procrastination. I'll get to that when I talk about step six and seven. Um, and again, it was like, okay, I got to be perfect. I got to be perfect. I got to exercise perfectly. I, I was molding my body just because I, you know, had these internalized um, tapes in my head that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I didn't look skinny enough. I didn't look, you know, my skin color was not light enough, um, which is like a big deal in, you know, Southeast Asian culture. So there's a lot of forces. And at the same time, you know, I'm not saying that these are the reasons that led me to becoming a compulsive reader, but they certainly contributed. The bottom line is, you know, why am I a compulsive reader? Well, I have the allergy of the body that when I start, I can't stop, and the mental twist of even when I'm fully stopped, I cannot start, stop myself from starting again. So I got a sponsor, Work the Steps. Back then, I stayed in a fourth step for more than a year. And, you know, the analogy I have for that is, like, you know, going to the bathroom and sitting in a toilet and not flushing it, right? I was holding on to all that. No wonder I went back to the solution of compulsive eating. I had to self-soothe myself somehow, right? And, um, you know, do a lot of work, you know, outside of program on, you know, trauma stuff and soothing my inner child. You know, the, the food is very powerful with that sort of stuff. It's right? very, you know, goes back to just very basic um, developmental bonding. Um, but it wasn't enough. And it's caused so many more problems, right, that I, I needed to make amends for. So fast forward a little, I was just like, once my, once my sister got married in 2006, all the family dynamics came up. <laughs> Everything about how I looked, you know, why do you dye your hair? I mean, I had, like, multicolored hair at the time, this, this, and this. They, you know, my family was really like, you need to change, you need to change your body. What you what you look like is not good enough. At least that's how I internalized it with my crazy mind. Um, food became so important. I separated myself, I, you know, and proceeded to gain 100 pounds. You know, now you – know, received all the shaming from medical professionals and I'm not poo-pooing them. I am a medical professional. Um, and I, you know, it wasn't enough. I've gone to eating disorder rehab. It wasn't enough. I've gone to therapy. And again, I'm not poo-pooing these really important professional services. Um, I needed to maintain this as I went through the 12 steps. I'm a therapist and psychotherapist myself, um, as a professional, but these things weren't enough. I needed a spiritual, solution. When I left away, I joined another 12-step fellowship and, uh, you know, alongside going to eating disorder uh, rehab across the country. Um, once I got out, I, you know, it was Super Bowl Sunday and I was meeting my friend in LA. He totally just binged there. Had to make a huge amends for that. Like the moment I got out, I don't regret it. I got a lot from the experience, but it still wasn't enough. This is, this is human Aid. I can't tell you all types of diets and exercise regimes, like tai Bo was big back then, you know, all of these things. I mean, I kind of wouldn't even want to go down on this because it's endless. It seems endless. It wasn't enough. I joined another 12-step fellowship, and what I realized, um, it was one of the money programs. What was driving my compulsive uh, getting at the time was my food, my compulsive eating, but it was the first time I actually went through the steps of the big book, and it was profound, right? So it was clear, like, I needed to stop that, right, and I needed to go back to OA, but I needed to go through it through the big book. The first time after how many years, like, you know, almost eight years is being in program, um, and, you know, clearly writing a novel for my fourth step was not working. So I came back to um, OA, but I specifically looked for OA big book meetings and where I could work a program. And I found this fellowship called OA Primary Purpose. And so the reason I'm sharing this with you is not to badmouth them, because again, if it's helping people, that is amazing. And everybody has their own journey. Everybody has their own higher power to deal with. And it was an amazing journey doing that. But it didn't work, meaning I did not stop and stay stopped and become recovered. To me, what was the big difference of working that program and trying to work it for another, you know, couple years until I found the meaning of vision for you um, and got a big book sponsor is they interpret the doctor's opinion differently than how my sponsor through this meeting, um, you know, brought me through it. You know, we went through the steps within 30 days or less, which was, again, amazing. But, you know, self-knowledge is not enough, right? They said, if you go through the steps, you will get abstinent. And that has not been my truth. I did not finish my step nine amends. I went back to the food, right? Um, And I was never truly entirely abstinent. I did not really understand what that was. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I just also want to say, in four instances in the doctor's opinion, four times, It clearly, and two times more subtly, says we must be entirely abstinent first, right? If I think about it with regard to the alcoholics, always bring it back to the, you know, the OG, right, the original fellowship. I have never heard of an alcoholic, of the, you know, true alcoholic, right, of the hopeless type, right, seemingly hopeless, um, getting through steps four through nine, and doing an inventory of their wrongs, their harms, right, the deepest stuff, and making amends for it, making you know, cleaning up their side of the street. I've never heard of them doing it drunk, and that's exactly what I was doing. Even if it was a subtle, you know, I wasn't binging like I used to. I wasn't entirely abstinent, and it just, you know, it was very clear. It just did not work. I had enough evidence to know it wasn't working. Proceeded to gain weight in that program, and what led me to finding a vision for you back in 2014 was my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, just sat me down and he said, he, he was, oh, God bless him because, you know, he's always loved me for me. He's never been superficial or like shamed my body, but he just sat me down. He didn't know how to say it. He was just like, I, I don't know what to say. You've gained so much weight since we started going out. We both cried, but, and I knew, you know, that was the gift that he gave me. This is a man who, you know, my sponsor at the time said, no major changes for a year. I, I came into that, uh, you know, working with her in a relationship. So it meant that I couldn't get out of it. And I tell you, my insane mind was going to sabotage that relationship. And there's, but we made it through. It's again, wholesale miracle. But I knew then, I was like, I need to go back. I need to humble myself. You know, don't shame myself. It's not about like, oh, I have to start over. I have to do it right because clearly my relationship is being affected, right? And it wasn't just, oh, you're not attracted to me because that wasn't the case. But that was involved. Our intimacy was um, being impacted. It was like, what's going on, right? There's something deeper. It's not about the weight. It's not about the body. Yet my body was the battleground, if you will. And so I left and I was, I was searching for big book meetings and oh my goodness, you know, I found this relatively new meeting at the time. I I think it was like two or three years old at the time. And I heard my story when the person who eventually became my sponsor, I heard her on a special edition, just like this, you know, she, she, I I just remember hearing her talk about the college experience. You know, I didn't even share that. Me being so isolated. I would, I remember just you know, purging in these like, like garbage bins and we had communal bathrooms and I, I did it in my room because I didn't want to have anybody hear me. And then people would, you know, so I remember getting caught at one time, just the unmanageability of that. And, you know, sneaking things from the dining hall, cause it's like, you know, I've paid, to, you, it's all you can eat, binging on calories and just refined carbohydrates, all the things that would knock me out and like, just put me to sleep so that I could deal with finals, and it just, it was, it was a miserable, miserable existence. So we started working with her, and I started in the doctor's opinion, and I also started off doing, you know, a few exercises, you know, writing exercises, the ABC list, which I'm sure many of you have heard if you've listened to these podcasts, um, aka red light, you know, yellow light, green light. On the A list, everything that, you know, anything I've eaten um, that triggers that when I start, I can't stop. The B is I'm not sure, and the C is green, or that you know it has no charge for me. There's neutrality, and there really is no uh, B list or yellow light food. But what that does when I work with a sponsor is it helps give me clarity, give us clarity around what an alcoholic food looks like. So, for example, nuts for me were on that B list, and um, I'm not allergic to nuts, um, not every some other people are, but this is just for me. What it was was the amount of fat in one eating that has to be weighed and measured for me. It has to be. And um, what I never did at that point in 14 or 15 years of being an OA was I never had a movement plan, right? So I had many food plans. But I always, you know, either a sponsor assigned them to me or, you know, I took it from whatever, you know, type of OA program I was in, like whatever it was, like how or um, greasy. I've done all of it, <laughs> I can assure you. Um, first time, you know, the book is very clear that we can use professionals, right? In the doctor's opinion, you know, they talk about, you know, hospitalization for alcoholics, which, you know, for alcoholics, when they're detoxing, a serious medical issue. They could have seizures. So for me, I needed to find a health professional to get a plan suited for my medical needs, right? And the plan that helped me the most was one that had temp a template where I could plug and play. It had macronutrients on it, you know, but they calculated all of it, right? I wasn't, you know, here to take my will back. I was open. I, You know, I was beaten down from this illness so much. My father had died from this it was like, all right, I'll do, you know, I want what you have sponsored. What do I do? And of course she was like, you know, you got to weigh and measure. You got to get a food plan. You got to turn over your meals every day. I balked at that. I I remember going to this meeting on the Upper West Side, an anorexic belief meeting in New York for years and years, which was a wonderful meeting, but I was so triggered because to me, I'm like this weighing and measuring, this is yet another form of control. And, to an extent, yeah, it is because I only worked step one, and that was kind of treating it like a diet and calories club. So I balked, but I did it anyway. And I think to any newcomer or anyone coming back, if I could characterize this program in you know one word, it's counterintuitive, right? I have to do the opposite, right? I did it anyway. The program works, again, not necessarily for those who need it or want it. It works for those who work it. And if you're not a compulsive overeater of the alcoholic type, you may not need to work a program as intense as I did as it is laid out in this book. But if you are, if I didn't work any other program, it wouldn't have worked. (laughs) And it hasn't worked. So, um, yeah, I got a food plan that was very clear. You know, I've had nutritionists in the past who don't understand what OA is or they would say, you need to eat this snack. And, of course, a non-abstinent food would be it, and they were like, "No, intuitive eating, like that's what you know recovery is." And let me tell you, as as a professional, I lead many people through that because they're not compulsive overeaters like me, right? I cannot do intuitive eating because I have an addiction, right? Um, that just does not work for me. So, you know, the dietitian I was working with um, came up with how many snacks. How many meals and what went exactly in that meal, like the specific macronutrients. And it was my job, right, to fill it in. So, like, two carbs equals, you know, half cup of whatever food this was. And I would turn that over. And as annoying as that was in the beginning, right, this is a spiritual experience, right? For example, it's kind of like doing yoga right? When we put our bodies in specific positions and breathe a certain way, it's not this like new fad thing. Thousands and thousands of years ago, right? That uh, civilization, right? They were doing this for a spiritual awakening. It wasn't to make our body or to change it, right? They were doing it to reach that peak experience to connect with, you know, a power greater than themselves. So this is one of the first steps that, you know, we often hear in these meetings that steps one, two, and three are conclusion steps, which absolutely 100% agree with. But there are little actions, you know, what are the things that I can do and take to meet my higher power halfway? And that was one of the first things. And when I turned it over, I had to turn over my meals before, not after, right? Um, Often it was either the night before or the morning, right? There were no changes. That was the hardest thing. I was always playing around with my food, no changes at all, right? This was one way of being accountable to myself to my sponsor to my higher power to my program and it was by all means not you know foolproof right but it was a way of working step one to kind of you know doing that deeper work of understanding who i am as a compulsive overeater of the alcoholic type and also who i'm not i can't get that into my head and more importantly my heart so that we have to take these steps in our heart in the book If I'm drunk with the food or compulsive exercising, I also needed a movement plan. I had never had that. Like, no wonder, you know, I couldn't finish, you know, my, you know, step four, let alone finish my amends abstinently, okay? I couldn't stay abstinent long enough to do that because, you know, in hindsight, what I was doing left to my own devices is I personally was unconsciously restricting all day and exercising to the point where that would set me up for a binge at night. And that was my worst times. I remember like in my darkest days, like I felt like I would have one night stands with food. I would wake up with these wrappers all around me and just not even know how I got there. Um, And I just want to take a moment, right? So in the doctor's opinion, right? The second comment says that we have to be entirely abstinent first. Um, from the bottom of the third page, says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be a maximum benefit. I have um, a significant history of depression and mental illness in my um, background. Um, you know, I've been on medication for many years of my life, but you know I, it's hard for me to remember that because it's been at least oh my goodness, at least seven years now, Um, you know, food makes a big difference and spiritual awakening makes a big difference. But I just also want to mention that I had to work, you know, with professionals in my life. Um, If the depression for me wasn't, you know, addressed just to even be able to participate in life, I couldn't work my program. And therapy got me nowhere if I was not sober so i considered myself you know i called myself like dual diagnosis you know um that was important but i you know i i am very clear that you know that's still outside of oa i don't come to oa for psychotherapy or like you know group therapy right there's a plate time and a place for that with licensed professionals and someone myself now who does that i understand the importance of that Um, so I don't there's not like a hard boundary, but you know anonymity that 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 you know tradition of anonymity right helps me to you know be one with y'all in here no less no more, but also to remember what I can get from here and how I can apply that in the world right and be more more service so there are certain things that need to parallel each other, and um for years before I found a vision for you, I was like treating this like psychotherapy which is not right I heal in relationship with others but the most important relationship is with my higher power and that's how I can really heal with people and 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 get that so I just wanted to put that out there so I had to turn over what I was doing both with my movement as well as my food to my my um, sponsor and that was just the beginning We hear that a lot in the book this was the beginning, meaning there's more, right? Not that I'm not good enough or, oh my gosh, I didn't do enough. It's like, there's so much more out there, you know, um, where I'm not even thinking about this because my life is so full today of really amazing things, even in a pandemic, even in a war that's going on now where I could be of service. So um, let me just read to you the four things in the doctor's opinion that changed my life, right? I read to you the second, you know, sentence, the page before that, which is the second page of the doctor's opinion. It says, right, we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who's very jittery or befogged, and I take hospitalization to mean working with professionals. Get a food plan that is sound for you, right? And let me just tell you, I was not working at the time I went through this step. I was actually on disability, Okay. I was able to, find, God will always provide pro bono work, right? Just, I have to be willing to take the steps, put myself out there, ask, and I was able to find or get a gift to fund, you know, if I couldn't afford a nutritionist or whatever service, I was able to get exactly what I needed, right? So it's all about thinking, not in terms of lack, but turning my fears, which are human, over to my higher power and taking the next right action. So we favor hospitalization for the alcoholic who's very jittery and befogged. More often than not, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. And then the second to last page of the doctor's opinion says two other things. Following the elimination of alcohol, right? So we have to, the food has to die first, right? Right. Later down that page, it says, following his physical rehabilitation. So the doctor's opinion, you know, when I take my chances through it, we go through it twice. We start there. You know, we're trialing each other out. We're seeing if we're fit for a match. And um, it's very clear. It, 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 you know, tells us what is my problem, like the twofold nature of the disease, which is, you know, perilousness with regard to body and mind. It told me that I need to be entirely absent first and, and, you know, says I need to start with that foundation and that the cycle will continue over and over and over again. And that unmanageability unless I have a psychic change, a.k.a. spiritual awakening, a.k.a. spiritual experience, which we talked about, that personality change. And then I take them back to the beginning of the book, right? By the way, I also some of the, uh, the other two written assignments in step one that my sponsor uh, shared with me was to do a step one. Right, like writing on my eating history, and it could be as short or as long, you know. And I turned it over to her. I remember crying, my brains out. It was very uncomfortable reading about, you know, the progression of my illness and and also just how it led me to interact with the opposite sex, um, and to change my body just to you know, get, think I was getting fulfilled with you know attraction and just, oh my gosh, it was so painful because those are not anywhere near as fulfilling as being fulfilled by my higher power. And they leave so many scars. They hurt so many people. So one of the things, um, the other writing assignments that I share with my sponsors is to go through the first 164 pages, underlining in red <laughs> the words have to, the word must, the word need, the word indispensable, or any sort of words that are in italics because it costs a lot more to do that back then. Um, or any directive. Like it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared. If I meet a prospect who does this, right, I, I usually, we usually take a week to, to, you know, you know, study with each other. They, they meditate on it, et cetera. I might take them to the doctor's opinion, but then take a week to see if we want to go on. I'm sorry, I think I got a prompt. I hope you can still hear me. Um, I was saying that uh, if someone does this, I can tell that they might be most likely willing.
0: Because what you'll
1: have is you'll have the first 164 pages of the book underlined, and those are the exact (laughs) directions. This is a textbook. So, you know, we go through this chapter by chapter, and um, then I start with the prefaces. And those are so helpful. The first preface and the forwards, excuse me. You know, the first preface showed me that I can basically trust what these first 164 pages say, right? The preface, The preface tells me about the viral nature of literature, right, that this is the basic text, there are no changes needed to the first 164 pages, and that the changes happen in the back of the book because of our primary purpose to pass this message of recovery to others, because those are the personal stories that are going to capture and, you know, speak the message. Like, you know, um, I will share in 2005 when I was um, hospitalized, I read the big book and was not impressed because I didn't understand it. I was just like, Oh my gosh, there's misogynistic tones. There's all these, you know, you know religious tones that are making me scream and, um, when I went through it again, um, in 2014 and now over and over and over again, um, I love this book. I needed someone to interpret it, you know, to help me read it like a textbook because it works. I mean, there's something to be said that in 1939, it started off with 300,000 copies and they were, you know, the first 100, right? Or, you know, a group of 100. Um, when we go through, you know, the up until the fourth edition uh, forward in 2001, which is a long time ago at this point, um, 100,800 100, 800 groups in approximately 150 countries. But look how many people are recovered, right? This is being translated into how many different languages. The point is, you know, oh, my gosh, there's some truth in the numbers. My higher powers in the numbers. Recovery exists. I I can't even think of that uh, number in a way, unfortunately, but I believe, oh, I just want to (laughs) also, my first experience going to the Vision for You conference in Virginia Beach um, in 2015, which was amazing. I drove down with two other fellows. Um, I will never forget that and like being in the back of the room with you know, everybody saying, you know, prayers, hearing, you know, oh my gosh, it was, I'm going to cry something about it. And and then two years later in Newark, going to the other conference, I believe, you know, there was more than five, I I could be wrong about this, but I think there were were people from around the world in Virginia Beach. This was one meeting on one topic, the big book. And when we went to the next conference, uh, like about two years later, I think we had, if not as much or maybe a little more, attendees as the World Service Conference had the year before, 2016, in Boston. That says something, that there's something here. There's something really special. And it's not just, okay, this is the meeting, right? It's, it's because we're steeped into these first 164 pages, right? Very, very powerful. So this viral nature, you know, miracles are happening. Forward to the second edition when, you know, in 1955 we're in our adolescence, right, people got recovered. Now we're starting to talk about the traditions and how to, you know, keep our, our, our you know, our group alive. Um, Eleven years later, in the third edition, it gets the same message. There's a wider demographics, right? I think it's so funny. I, I can't remember which um, forward it is, but they're talking about people are connecting modem to modem. You know, now it should be like Zoom meeting to Zoom meeting. Um, but regardless, you know, I've sponsored people from all over the world. Ten years, you know, not ten years ago, but many years ago, over Skype. You know, I remember having a sponsee in New Zealand. Um, this stuff is amazing, and it, and it works, and it's because we have a common solution. So I bring a sponsee, again, through the doctor's opinion, line by line, and I, you know, I try, we try to work as fast as possible because, again, I, like many people have mentioned here, when we get abstinent, we feel everything more, right, happiness more, as well as all the resentments, the re-feelings, and the things that could lead me to pick up. So we've got to do it relatively quickly, but just as perspective, you know, the first, you know, fifty to sixty pages of the book, right? Um, Roman numerals and then, you know, the other numbers. Oh, i step one. We have to have a solid foundation, because that is what I did not have in, I guess what you can call regular OA. Again, not poo-pooing it. I loved you know, steps one, two, and three in the brown book, but it didn't work for me. Just didn't work. This is like the most succinct, quick way I found. Um, we go through Bill's story and, you know, the directives that, you know, gotten from this meeting is to read it, you know, think about, did I think, feel, and eat like Bill, Bill felt and how he drank, right? I saw so much of myself in Bill's story. There's a solution. I loved, loved, you know, reading about how there's a common solution. Um, there's a lot of really, really powerful things in here. Um, and we talk about on um, page 23, this is so important to me, right? They start talking about the, the physical allergy. And then it says on the top of 23, these observations would be academic and pointless if our friend never took the first drink or the first bite, right? Thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion, right? So if, we, if the problem was only just being entirely abstinent, plenty of people who have allergies do that. Um, but the main, therefore the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than his body. I remember telling my sponsor, oh my gosh, this is so much harder than getting asked, and it wasn't getting asked, and it felt like hell because of the withdrawal and the tolerance that I had built up. I think some of the other important things in that chapter is it tells us who we're not um, on page twenty twenty one, Usually if I'm talking to a prospect, um, it talks about the moderate drinker, the bad habit drinker, and then the real alcoholic like me. So moderate eaters for me are like people on Thanksgiving. Um, Maybe they've overeaten and they have a tummy ache. Maybe they're complaining about the five pounds that they gained. Again, you know, like superficial stuff. Um, But they can stop and moderate. And so they feel much better by the time the, the other holidays come around, Christmas time, New Year's, la, la, la. The bad habit eater. So maybe they're just emotionally eating and they proceeded to gain 30, 35 pounds and it's, you know, affecting their health and, um, people in their family are complaining of, and they go to, um, you know, they start this program, whether it's a medical program or, you know, therapy or, you know, self-help or coaching, which I'm, I'm, I love all of that stuff. And then they're able to stop or moderate with the help of other human aid, additional human aid outside of themselves. With the real compulsive overeater of the alcoholic type, none of that works. I need a power greater than myself. I tried all of that. So those are some really important things for me. More about alcoholism. Four stories of people who are entirely sober and make the insane decision. Four stories, right? Uh, The man of 30, 30 years, entirely sober. It was like, okay, I'm retired now. Let's drink. (laughs) Dead in three years. This this disease does not play. Right? Jim, the jaywalker. I mean, very, very powerful stories that I relate to. Um, again, I needed to hear this repeated over and over again, smashed home into that you know diseased mind of mine, um to get that foundation, and that's all step one step two, the agnostics for me, oh my gosh, beautiful step, beautiful imagery uh that's talked about in the book a lot. I didn't need to believe right um I'm a woman of science, I'm also in research um I just i I didn't need to believe in a, in a God at that point, since I had such a challenging upbringing with religion. Um, I just needed to be willing to consider that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity. Um, so just as an aside, part of my, um, passion is music. When my father died, the only way I could grieve was through music and without words. Um, I happened to also be creative arts therapist. So this led me to kind of like my calling and, um, my higher power, the images that I had that led me to be willing was, you know, there's something so much more powerful of singing with a group of others than just my own single voice. It strengthened my voice. It was, you know, like a choir of a hundred voices. There's something like a peak experience there that made me feel, you know, unity is one, made me feel part of right? That the, it was just so beautiful and powerful. The other image that I had was I love to go whitewater rafting. And there was one time where I um fell out of the raft. <laughs> I got caught, you know, my back was downstream and I got caught under the raft and there was no way I have enough power to fight gravity and tons and tons and tons and tons of water <laughs> going downstream. So they always tell us, do not put your foot down to try to stand up because it will get caught between rocks and I will twist my ankle because I am not more powerful than tons and tons and tons of water and gravity. So I needed to just wait there and ask for help. I needed to put my legs up as close to the underneath the raft and wait for someone in the raft to pull me up under, you know, my armpits. And that was the only way. And to me that was like, okay, like I have a visual of what surrendering means, right? Like I'm taking the steps that I can and then I'm letting my higher power do the rest right? And that's a lot that my higher power doesn't do, but, you know, I still need to do what I need to do because my higher power doesn't always do for me what I can do for myself, which is I'm absent right now talking to you on this line, right? It's just minute by minute, second by second, day by day. And so, you know, like just putting down the debating society, like all these images of plugging in my phone, right? It was really, really powerful, studying we agnostics and again I didn't need to believe. I came to believe, right? There was more of a difference once I hit step eleven. And now I'm like consciously talking to my higher power in the morning, on awakening, at night, before we retire, right? Um step three was so, so powerful. I'm uh, just gonna share quickly about the thing that stood out for me going through step three was, you know, it's decision is that tail that we always, or the riddle, rather, you have three frogs are on a log, they all decide to jump off. How many frogs are left? The answer is all three, because they just decided. But that doesn't mean the decision isn't important. Like, we need to visualize, right? We need to make a decision. It's part of the process. And then it's the action. We see this a lot in, um, you know, steps six and seven, and then eight and nine. So, for example, we don't just do our amends. There's a whole process that, you know, makes us, helps us to become ready, helps us to make sure it's done right, and then we do it. So um, even though we might be standing still, I also liken it to boiling water, right? It takes time. The water doesn't boil immediately, and you may not see anything except for maybe the burner underneath it, but it's that activation energy. That system needs enough energy to get to a critical point where water will boil, right? And that's what we're doing, right? But it's like four through nine. Now we're getting shot up into like the fifth dimension. But step three is so important and so important. You know, I've rewritten this third step prayer a million, million times. And, you know, I liken it to, you know, there's two paths in the wood. One path is a spiritual path of recovery. The other path is the same old, same old, right? No change, no change right? There is no middle of the road solution. I will say that again. There is no middle of the road solution. That that was in either chapter two or or three. And, you know, making the decision is kind of like this mindfulness. It's like turning my head and turning my body toward the path of recovery, right? Toward the arch that we're building, right? That keystone of the arch that without it, everything falls apart, right? Steps two is, you know, is the, the side pillars of the arch. Um, and that's really what that is. And I need to do this because, like, the obsession of the mind and my will are very strong and also very human, right? Um, All the things that cause me to make the insane decision to eat, all the forms of resentment, right? The, the luxury of people who do not have an addiction like I do, right? Selfishness, self-centeredness, right? This is what I'm becoming aware of. Like, this is the seed of my disease because it is the disease of the obsession of the mind. And I want to point out just for a second about the word selfishness. Um, selfishness simply, right, the book never says that that's a bad thing. I think, you know, I like to tell my sponsors this means I want it my way or I wish it was different. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself. It's very human to wish something is different if an injustice is happening. If someone's ripping me off, right, or etc. The problem is, as an addict, if I stay in it, right, that will lead me to pick up. And now I'm just, like, harming myself and others more. So I need to be able to let go of that and give it to my higher power. And, oh, my God, what an amazing design for living. There are these Beautiful step four prayers that I use to this day. Whenever I need to do a ten step, which is really four through nine in an abbreviated form, so that we can do it instantly, we can call someone, turn it over, get out of our head, be of service, right? But there are many, many forms of selfishness, resentment, fears being the top two, and millions and millions of subcategories. And I'll say in regular O.A. I spent so much time analyzing what kind of the, you know the sloth, this, this, and that. And I have the rest of my life to do that. (laughs) Just get through the steps the first time. But there's no wrong way to go through step four except for, like, not doing it, right? Uh, I prefer the big book way because it's very efficient, quick, right? We try to do it within two weeks. Um, Anytime I've procrastinated, which is a huge defect of mine, I still struggle with today. And I'm grateful for it because it teaches me all the time. All the time, as long as I keep close to my higher power and do the work. Um, So, you know, the angry man prayer was huge for me. Bottom of 66 and top of page 67. Um, I remember being in group therapy at the time, and there was this person who, like, just wouldn't show up all the time. And then when they did show up, monopolized the entire group. (sighs) That angered me. so so much. When someone else did it, well, let me just preface that the person who did this, we were friendly. We had like a good friendship and um, there was a resentment there. When someone else did it, I had so much compassion because I was like, you're clearly suffering. It's okay that we spend a lot more time on you than me today, right? So I often have that image, you know, when anyone is triggering me like the first person, right? it's God helped me show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And so the other person, you know, was a sick friend, but I didn't have a resentment against her. And that was so simple. It flowed. My compassion just flowed. Like this prayer, you know, God, you know, save me from being angry that I will be done. This has helped me stay alive and away from compulsive exercising and compulsive eating like millions and millions of times over. The other prayer on the third paragraph of page 68 at the bottom, right? Uh, you know, if I'm fearing, uh, okay, I'm not going to get all my work done, then, you know, I say, you know, God, I fear I'm not going to get all my work done. Um, and then I have to pause and ask myself, is this fear rooted in my finite self or my infinite higher power? Almost 100% of the time it's my finite self. But I have to really meditate on that and just pause for just a little bit. And then I say the fear prayer, God, God, remove my fear and direct my attention to what you'd have me be. And I have to pause. This is where I have to practice listening to my higher power. And the answer is always astounding, just that calm, that meditation. It is very, 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 very powerful. So we practice that as we, you know, practice how to take inventory. There's many beautiful forms online that many members have contributed and, you know, it's a huge fund of knowledge out there. We're practicing how to do this, you know, when this pops up and how to, you know, help someone when it's time for them to call someone in the 10th step and turn it over like a fifth step um, so that this stuff doesn't pile up. It's the new stuff, right? And then, you know, the conduct, the sex conduct inventory on page 69, right, and 70 is really about ideals. So I've done, you know, not just, you know, who have I harmed through my sex conduct, which doesn't only have, you know, it's not just actually having sex it's any type of sexual relation but I've also done a food conduct inventory who have I harmed because of my conduct with food right and then all the other harms go on there and it's so powerful that the prayer associated with that inventory in step four is an ideal prayer and it doesn't have the word conduct in it right you know higher power mold my ideal help me to live up to it right our, whatever problem it is, whether it's sex, it could be money, it could be school, it could be our jobs, you know, our, what, you know, our sex powers or whatever it is, we're God given and they're for good, neither to be lightly used or, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, right? Um, and then it tells us if it's still problematic, we have to get out of our heads and get into service. And this is where the tools come in. Um, just as an aside, I always suggest to my sponsors to, you know, make at least two to three meetings a week. Um, for me, and I tell them, I went to a meeting every day, and if I couldn't make a vision for you live, I was listening to the podcast, because I need that, you know, for every, like, disease thought that I have, I need, like, 10 of the recovered thoughts to counteract that. I need to be calling at least three people a day, ideally one recovered member, and we have a list on our website, Um, and if you go to the meetings, you'll hear people who are speaking to you, like, who have what you want, And then one newcomer to practice, you know, the principle of service. The other can be anybody else, including your sponsor. And then, um, you know, choosing some sort of home meeting to do service at. So today that could be a Zoom meeting where you're helping to moderate or whatever. It could be putting up the chairs. It could be reading the preamble. It could be reading the promises. Whatever it is, whatever you qualify for, do some sort of service, right, to help us work these steps, but not to work a tools program. Very different. Um, and, you know, just I, the promises started hitting me hard in OA, specifically around Step 5. I could look the world in the eye. When I turned that over, it was one of the most amazing things. Like people were saying I was glowing. It was very, very powerful. But if I stopped there, I wouldn't be talking to you today like I am right now. Um, what was beautiful is that I really followed. I took that hour of meditation. You know, it, turned, it took me a few times because my sponsor and I had challenging um, – schedules at the time, but I made sure to have that hour of meditation afterwards where I would ask myself, you know, the five proposals, which are on page 59, which are really the five steps, the first, like the 12 steps, excuse me, and I turned them into questions. You know, have I admitted I was powerless over food or compulsive eating and that my life has become unmanageable, right? Have I come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and etc. I also asked my higher power in silence, um, you know, was I still, did I miss any resentments or fears? And then I remember my higher power telling me, like, it's okay if you're not perfect. you have the rest of your life with me to do this and turn it over. But here are the things you missed right now. I wrote them down. When I talked to her again, I, you know, turned them over. And then we went through steps six and seven right there and then on page uh, 76. Right. And by the way, the instructions for the hour after step five is on the bottom of uh, page 75. there, There are only two paragraphs, but they're so profound because I use them every day today. So like I said, like procrastination is probably one of the biggest uh, blocks to my higher power because I have this like perfectionistic drive. It's because, you know, child of immigrant parents, we got to make it in America. you got to beat up. you got to, you know, get 101 on the test, not a hundred. This perfectionism is very strong and insidious and it will kill me. So, but through step six and seven and the rest of the steps, I can, um, we can just chill it out for a little bit. Um, and I also realized for time, I, I will wrap up within five to 10 minutes, but step six, oh my goodness. So it says, are we now ready to let God remove um, from us all the things that we have admitted are objectionable? And what that means, right, if I break objectionable down, right, I have to take an inventory. You know, for perfectionism, what is it doing for me and what is it doing to me? It's kind of like a pros and cons list. So, you know, I get to put things off. That feels good, right? But then everything is rushed. I get an adrenaline high. It's anxiety-provoking. Things might be late. It's not as good as it is. I lose sleep. Um, That makes me lose time for my 11 steps in the morning and evening. Like, clearly, the price I'm paying for it is way more than what I'm getting from it. So, yes, it's objectionable. So, step six is all about being ready, right? And readiness involves, even if I turn these things over to my higher power and I want them to be released, I have to be willing To accept the outcome that it may not be listed, and I have to, you know, I have feelings about that. I can be angry. I see the angry man prayer, fearful, and I know deep down in my heart, though, when I do this step six to be ready, is I will always be taken care of because the book tells me that, and my experience, most importantly, tells me that, and I can trust in this process. So when I'm ready. I say it's a seven-step prayer. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have me, um, have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. And just the act of saying that, even if it's rote, is just very, very powerful because what needs to follow this prayer, again, is always action and it is the opposite of that. So it's kind of like, okay, what's the opposite of procrastination? Okay, do it. <laughs> I've had to do it even if it's five minutes, five seconds, even. You know, you know, get an accountability buddy and action. You know, with my action plan, right? One of the tools. Using those tools to follow up with that step seven, that has been super, 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 super powerful. Um, And again, two paragraphs, but some of the most powerful steps to me in the book. Um, Step eight and nine. Oh my gosh, I. It was very, in a very, like, dangerous spot. I was taking a long time, similar to before. But the beauty, again, we, the way I've been taken through it and the way I take my sponsors through it is um, when we prepare in step eight, right, um, we start thinking about a low-key amends first so that we can learn how to do it and do it with your sponsor, right, making sure you talk to somebody about it before it's done, and then a really, really intense one, like a really, really intense one. And we don't stop there, right? Like, we don't wait to go on to step 10 to finish all the amends, right? Because the book is clear, you know, we, next we move on. We learned about step 10, and then as we continue to clear the wreckage of our past, um, I, I just, the, the freedom that happens in the nine-step promises, and even more so, the tenth step promises, where like it's we have neutrality with the food. Like there, it was like completely lifted by spiritual daily reprieve that we don't often talk about in regular OA meetings. They always read the ninth step promises on page um, eighty-three, right? And uh, <clears throat> I just I I have no words today. I mean. Um, just making amends to my mom, right? Again, my fourth step was very simple with her. I could write five novels about it. I could write a dissertation on it. But it was like, you know, she didn't parent me the way I needed or wanted. And when I removed that, I saw my mom go from, I am never willing to make amends to her to, I'm ready to make amends to her now. And it was a simple apology, but it was from the heart. And I think she understood. She didn't want to talk about it too much. But that was so powerful. I mean, this person who is the dietitian that always commented on my food and body, right? Who to me, you know, I interpreted like her saying I wasn't white enough or whatever as just not accepting me. And and there's still a wound there, but I can have a relationship with her with healthy boundaries, you know, today. And even if it was not like I'm meeting with her, talking with her, I would still have a healthy relationship in my heart so that there are none of these, resentments. They're all being nipped in the bud. Um, I had to do this, right. If for any reason, it was to stay completely sober. Um, I can do a whole, whole talk on, uh, steps eight and nine, but for time's sake, um, step 10 saves my life every day. Cause I go through the process I just talked about four through nine, whenever, when these like, you know, crop up anger, And fear and resentment will because we are human. We are wired and designed to have these emotions. But if we let them build up and we don't give them over, we're going to, you know, go down that relapse process. The first bite is the end of the relapse process. It always starts in our minds, right? So I can do that at any time. And step 11, um, I continue to refine that till this day. My schedule changes all the time. um, But I always have a clear text to tell me, You know, on awakening, what do I do? Like, I have this whole ritual of sipping my hot water with lemon in it and, you know, praying, meditating, you know, moving my body. Not to change my body or to change my weight today. That's the miracle. It's to get closer to my higher power so that I can give this message back. Um, And I had to do this a lot. I mean, there's a lot of changes that I've made, especially since the pandemic. I mean, I literally thought I was going to die. I I saw so many people die. March 2020, um, so many. And in the most cruel, cruel ways, I could cry now talking to you about it. But it was that 11th step that kept me grounded and helped me to see where I was resentful um, where I didn't catch it in a temp during the day. This is why we called them the maintenance steps. Like, I need to be close to my higher power. And, like, the 12th step is a must. <laughs> it is not, like, optional. I mean, I could do it. I could always, like, forget to do it. And then pay the price and go down the relapse process, right? Um, these, I, one of our members called it seemingly unimportant decisions. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna go to a meeting today. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not, I'm gonna skip an 11th step, you know, in the morning because I'm too sleepy or whatever. Um, no, I have to do this. And what keeps it green is sponsoring. Um, it is so true. I, it is, I am blessed. You know, it, it is very rare for me, unfortunately, to see sponsees. Get recovered and stay recovered, but at least I'm recovered, and it is also still helpful in their process. Maybe it wasn't their time, right? I don't have power over them, but it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things um, to just hold space for someone else's process and just share, you know, a common um, problem and a common solution. So, because I know um, it's getting up there in time, I just want to recap how amazing this journey has been, you know, I came from, you know, being suicidal many times early, early in my life, um, being obsessed with how I looked and my weight and thinking that would get me the love and attention that I wanted and needed and deserved. Um, being so focused on getting my fix with food, you know, eating it out of the trash. Like, I did all of that nonsense, putting the soap over the things. It wasn't because I liked that food. It was the effect, right? Um, dieting, fainting while exercising, and now living a life where it's a really fulfilling life. I have a beautiful partner who's been through so much. Um, all the other areas, I, I had so much debt because of my compulsive eating. I mean, completely solvent now, and uh, I had so many other issues. Just, it is just such a privilege to be here, and I just have to thank my higher power. If my sponsors on the line, I'm so grateful for you and what you have done for me. If my sponsors are on the line, um, this is part of the debt that I'm repaying to her and everyone that came before her, all the way back to Bill. Um, it is just you know, keep going, keep coming back, and work the steps, you know, everything in the first 164 pages. It's very simple, not always easy, and just thank you, Leia and Melanie, for allowing me to do service today, and with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Annie V. Your presentation was very thorough and informative and instructive, I appreciate very much, we all do the service that you have done this morning by sharing your experience, strength and hope. It was delivered to each and every one of us. they very, very clear what the Big Book teaches about the freedom from this disease of compulsive overeating. It was just wonderful. Thank you so much, Annie. Thank you. We'll get your contact information in just a few minutes at, at the conclusion of the recording. So everyone wanna stick around for that. Um, the share ID number for this presentation so that you can listen to it again, it is so instructive, will be one That will be for the Sunday special edition for March 13th today. But looking at the time, it looks like we might have any time for maybe a couple of questions depending on. So let's take them one at a time if you would like, and I'll grab those up now. Sure. Okay, fantastic. So if you'd like to ask Annie a question today about her presentation or about the program of recovery, please uh, press star one to unmute. I'll take one, maybe two people on in the interest of time. I'll take them one at a time. If you have a question, give me your first name and the first initial of your last name. Nancy B. Nancy B. And then Margaret, what, what was that one? B. Margaret D. Margaret B. Okay, let's start with those two and see where time takes us, okay? Up first for your question, Nancy D., if everyone else can press star 1 to mute the line. Thank you. Nancy, your question. I mean, yeah, Nancy, your question. Thank you so so, much, Annie, for your service. And my question is, what is your definition of abstinence for you? Sure. Thank you so much for your
1: question. Um, My definition of abstinence, before, you know, um, it's refraining from the act of compulsive overeating, which includes refraining from all of my um, alcoholic foods and alcoholic behaviors. And I do like the OA definition, the general OA, while, you know, working toward a healthy weight. Um, But (laughs) my only gripe with that is that it, you know, my problem isn't weight. And when I have put my whole trust in my program, my weight always evened itself out to where it needs to be. That's just been the miracle of it. And, um, I won't get into the nitty-gritties about food because that looks different for everybody. Everybody's allergic to different types of foods and behaviors, but it's, it's actually quite simple. I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you very much, Nancy B., for your question. Marge B., your question now. And we might um, go more. We'll see.
2: Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. It's just so helpful. Uh, my question is, when you are done, when you you and your uh, sponsee have walked through the 12 steps together, what is the relationship between you like after that? Um, do you maybe, quote, unquote, cut that person free, or do you maintain, uh, you know, regular communications? Uh, although I know it's going to be in a different, it won't be the same as it was in the beginning. Could you just expand yeah. on maybe. that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, um, no, we definitely keep, uh, we're still sponsoring sponsee. I I can also speak, you know, I try to speak to my sponsor. It's not perfect, but at least on a weekly basis to to, to talk, to turn over any 10 steps if I haven't turned them over with some another recovered member. Um, if my sponsee and I get that far, we'll continue to read the book together. Um, perhaps maybe it's now the stories in the back, right? Maybe it's the 12 and 12 of AA to kind of, you know, um, Fill in or expand, like especially step six and seven, and there. So, there's always things to do and things to study. Um, but yeah, I, I am a firm fan of at least weekly check ins afterwards. They're not mandatory. It's really, you know, we're still walking alongside them on the same path. So, absolutely. And, and often, my sponsor, when I talk with her, it's about my sponsors or just not them, right? We keep it anonymous, but how to sponsor in a way that's of maximum service. That's what our book says. Our primary purpose is to pass the message on, but our real purpose is to be of maximum service.
0: I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Margaret D, for your question. Let's take, see if we can squeeze out two more in this time that's left. Anyone else like to ask Annie V a question about her presentation today or about their program of recovery? Patricia H. of North Carolina. Thank you, Patricia. Anyone else? Well, let's take Patricia's question, and we'll just do this one at a time. As this precious time is coming up here. Hi, Patricia, your question. Hi, Annie. Uh Billy and Georgia, Cher. Thank you so much. I just have a couple of simple questions. I want to
2: know if your uh, initial of your last name is V as in Victor or B
1: as in boy, and what's a good time to call you? Sure. Um, it's V as in Victor. Um, and I'm happy to leave my uh, recovery 12-step email address uh, on the recording, and then I can um,
0: leave my number until the, the time um,
1: uh,
3: okay. after the recording let's stops.
0: That, let's do that a little bit later, Annie, if you don't mind. Thank so you. just to keep sure. in concert with how we kind of function here at Vision. So if you don't mind, I'd appreciate that. Thanks
3: Absolutely.
0: so much. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Patricia. And um, another question, please. Hi. Hi, Aaron W. Okay, Did I hear Karen W? Yes. And then one, one more? Reggie M. This is Jenny in okay. Illinois. Okay, let's go with, uh, we have three there. So we have Jenny, Re- Reggie, and Carla, but let's see how things go. And let's start with Carla first, please. I think that she came through first. Carla, your question, start one real quick, please.
1: Hi, so thank I you to so to much. Yeah, there you are. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was very, very helpful. Um, I was just wondering about um, your relationship. You said that you had a beautiful
0: relationship. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, what I'd like to share, there's um, <laughs> so much to share. Um, my husband is one of the most beautiful people I've ever met, um, uh, he also uh, is in recovery, um, so he got sober around the same time I started this program, and um, we've both worked Al-Anon, and I just <laughs> – it's just a testament to the design for living. I, I think the best thing that's coming to my heart to share right now is that when I laid off his stuff, um, he actually found his own way to AA. He knew I was an OA, but, did you know, it, it was all him. I, it just – the steps in the program, you know, and we have a whole chapter to like the family and to wives um, in the big book, um, which again, I initially balked at because of the whatever I thought it was misogynistic and like antiquated language, but it is so powerful getting to those chapters and being able to read that um, after step 12, right, working with others um, just helps us to live uh, a sane life. It's not perfect. We do have arguments and fight as any married couple, but Staying close to the program, it really truly
0: is a design for living one day at a time. Yeah. Thank you, Carla, for your is. question. That's Carla C. And uh, Reggie, oh, your question. That might be our last one today. Hi, Reggie. Thank we'll you. See Jenny. Uh,
2: good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. And, and thanks so much, Annie. This was really totally fabulous and um, everything everybody said and more. Um, I I have this question. It's been an ongoing question for me about step three. And directly after the uh, step three prayer in the big book, it says, we felt well before taking this step, making sure that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to God. And that, you know, that's always struck me as a very potent, <laughs> a very potent sentence, you know. Uh, but we thought, well, before taking this step, it's even after the prayer, which I found interesting, but uh, making sure we could at last utterly abandon ourselves to God. Could you just say how that relates to step three for you? Uh, and some people would say step three, you know, is simply making a decision to go on with the rest of the steps. And I guess everybody might have, have you know, their own personal um you know, a God-related opinion of that. I'd love to hear yours.
1: Sure. Thank you so much for the question. Um, So to me, you know, it's not staying in the thought. It's really the readiness comes in all the work that we've done in steps one, two, and three. And My experience is that you know, for me, it was, there was a little learning curve just because I had to change my lifestyle around getting, eating abstinently and not compulsively exercising and following a food and a movement plan. So that took some time. It wasn't just like, okay, uh, I'm clear. It took some time. So all the readiness comes in the steps for that. Like this is a cumulative program. Um, and, you know, you know, being willing to believe in a power greater than myself, right? Um, also on the page before, uh, Two or three pages before that on page 60, right, it talks about the three pertinent ideas, um, A, B, C, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our life on our own, right? So that's the essence of step one and the powerlessness, you know, kind of really taking in our hearts the problem of lack of power and that, you know, B and C are, are around step two, right, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and C, that God could and would if he were sought, so it's really telling me that, you know, the solution is not going to be human. It's going to be greater than human power and even greater than a group of humans, myself, others included, but that, you know, this greater power could solve my problem. And that, you know, that's the thinking part of, okay, I want this solution. You're telling me, you know, the sponsor <laughs> you're telling me, you know, you, you don't even think about, you don't even want to pick up anymore all right, let's do this, right? So it's, it's, it's always a series of decisions, right? When when I take sponsees through and they see like, oh my gosh, the fatality of this disease, this, this, this terrible, oh, grossness that I saw written in like black and white, you know, like black ink on white paper of my step one history with eating, I was like, okay, I'll weigh and measure. Okay, I'll do this. It's like a constant decision process. So this is why, you know, I think many people say the third step prayer a lot because we always have to, you know, turn our head, like I said, in that, that visual, towards the path of recovery. Um, turning my head, it's not actually walking down it yet, but there's something that's powerful and important in getting ready. And I, I can't walk down a path if I'm not, like, looking or oriented to it. So all the work we do in the steps before that are important. Same thing with four and five and six and seven, eight and nine, and, you know, it's this whole We prepare ourselves. This is a good beginning. And then, boom, we got to get into action. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Reggie O., for your question. And that's all the questions we'll be able to take today. I do owe a, a very sincere apology to Karen W. for overlooking your name this morning. You were way up on the list to be able to ask a question, please, you and Jenny both take down the contact information of Annie so that you can be in contact with her if your question that was my my fall there on that particular piece sorry about that Karen and thank you again Annie for giving so much of your experience today working through these steps it's very very clear the recovery that has been gifted to you as a result of working the steps that were all promised we will now close the way we always do in a vision for you by reading from the big book on page 164. And then we'll stop the recording to get the rest of the information that we want to from Annie. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. Answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. May God bless you.